Welcome to the Pain Solutions Podcast. Dr. Wayne Fimister is a family physician with a special interest in chronic pain, whose passion is finding solutions for this epidemic problem facing one-third of the adult population. He is a clinical associate professor at the University of British Columbia in Canada and has developed one of the first online medical trigger point injection courses for doctors and nurse practitioners, a technique that is easily learned and implemented into the medical office of any doctor or nurse practitioner treating chronic pain. To get free access to Pain Solutions newsletter, blogs, and to register for his online course, simply register at www.waynefimister.com. On the podcast, Dr. Wayne brings together experts from various segments to share with you how they solve people's pain problems and how you can get this treatment too. And now, here's your host, Dr. Wayne Fimister. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, my very special guest is Maitri E. Yoga Sharini. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Wayne, for having me. It's lovely to be here. Excellent. So today we're going to discuss the subject matter of yoga as a treatment modality for chronic pain. You know, you've had lots of experience. You teach around the world for over the last 20 years, and you're also the the founder of the Archaia Awareness Center, which is a center for foundation for children, helping and supporting children in India and the streets. You're also involved with corporate training teacher training in yoga, and also building evolutionary and conscious communities around the world. Wow, that's a, that's a um, wonderful um, list of things that you're up to and involved in. So well done for that. So just tell us a little bit about yourself to start with. Where did you grow up? I was born in India, in Chennai, in South India. And my grandfather was my first guru. And till date, I say I learned the most from him because I learned everything through absorption, which means I just learned by being around him. It was not intellectual, but just through osmosis, I picked up all the beautiful, not just concepts, but the way of life that yoga teaches. So that was my grounding in yoga. And then I also studied at the Shivananda Ashram and also at the Ananda Ashram. So both of them, I uh, studied formally, but this was, I would say, my grounding in the yogic process, my grandfather. And he was, he was a spiritual scientist. He was, uh, you know, he had both his left brain and right brain. He was a mystic and a scientist at the same time. And so I owe a lot to him in terms of uh, what I imbibed from him. So you, you were around your grandfather, you grew up beside him, you absorbed his teachings, his, his lifestyle, his, um, his theories, he was a scientist as well as the practice of yoga. But then what made you sort of start traveling around the world and, and actually teaching this outside your country? Uh, that started, again, it grew organically. So I didn't imagine that this was going to be my profession. This was something that I did because it was close to my heart. And I was doing it part-time in the beginning because I did go to university and study film. And that's what I was involved in, documentaries, ad films. And on the side, I was also teaching um, yoga. And along the way, it just unfolded that this practice was what was needed more. And this was my first love. 
So somehow it unfolded where I just got called to different places in India, then different countries. And then at one point I wanted a home away from home. So I didn't want to just go and teach, you know, or talk at conferences and come back, but also live in a particular country and be part of that culture. So Vancouver was the place or Canada was the place and specifically Vancouver in Canada. Okay, so now you're based in Canada and in Vancouver, is that um, 365 days a year currently? Uh, yes, I mean, I used to come and go. I used to be here for about six months and in India for six months. But for the last year, I last winter I spent, the winter before I spent, so it's my first two winters in Canada. Okay, and let's just talk about yeah the principles of yoga now what is it all about there is there must be more to it than just you know doing some regular stretches and getting your your cardio workout which it is oh, yeah. but you know yeah. let's talk about that yes yeah. so if you look at the word yoga it comes from the root word yuj which means to yoke to unite to bring together so it's a beautiful i would say science and art of oneness or cohesiveness or teamwork so even within ourselves, we have the body, emotion, mind complex. And many of us, we go through situations where the heart wants something, mind wants something else. And the greatest loss of energy happens because of this internal conflict. So yoga recognized that. And these ancient researchers or ancient scientists, that's what the sages were, in my opinion. They have codified this great process of the unfolding of human consciousness. So that's what yoga means to me. It's not just a exercise because the yogic paradigm and the exercise paradigm are completely different. So that's why when I go to a class, unfortunately, when I came, when I started traveling and I went to a class, I'm like, they use the yogic postures, but the paradigm or the way it's taught, for example, in yoga, you pace yourself. You're not pushing yourself. You're the focus is on awareness. The achievement is a byproduct of the awareness. And this approach is very, very necessary to kind of create new synapses in the brain where we're constantly pushing ourselves, constantly striving, and it's survival-oriented. Whereas in yoga, you're resting in your complete self where this union or unity within happens, not just between the personal body-emotional-mind complex, but also the universe or the cosmos. So it has so many layers of understanding and so much of depth of meaning, the yoga and the yogic process. Okay, so you know, we discussed this a little bit before regarding the different levels, for example, the physical body or the physical energy field. You got the emotional field, you got the, the, the mental or the mind field. You just describe and build on that, these principles for our our audience yes so if you look at the yogic perspective of the human being i think every child should learn this because we're taught at least in modern uh, you know science or modern school we have only a physical body but the yogic perspective is we have the physical body of course that we all understand which is the tangible body called the annamaya kosha but we also have other body so if you look at the next layer, it's called the pranamaya kosha or the pranic body. And this is the area where a lot of emotions are floating around. And if the emotions are unprocessed, it just becomes like cobwebs. I joke in class, you know, and draw an analogy that sometimes 
you know, uh, old cobweb could be, oh, my mother never baked me a cake when I was 10. She loves my brother more. And sometimes when we hold on to that cobweb, just like uh, spider or the cobweb attracts a fly, we're attracting the same experiences into our pranic field by not cleaning up that old trauma or that old cobweb, emotional cobweb. So as a result, we, uh, or in yoga, we're taught to clean these emotional cobwebs, these old traumas, and especially the emotional charge associated with a particular memory. So it's quite fascinating the depth to which these rishis or researchers or sages, they understood these different layers. So with the pranic field, we're also looking at energizing it. So one aspect of yoga is optimization of energy, and the other is building consciousness. So with the pranamaya kosha, the pranic field, we keep clearing it, energizing it. Then the third layer, so the first is the physical, the second is the pranic emotional body, and then the third is the manumaya kosha or the mind field. Now the mind in yoga is considered, or the brain in yoga is considered to be like a transistor that can tune into thought waves. And these thought waves most likely are habitual. It's like a transistor tuning into a habitual radio station. And sometimes all that is telecast need not be positive, need not be uplifting, need not be evolutionary. So as a result of which we're also one being aware of this manomaya kosha or this mind field we exist in, which can consist of very conditioned repetitive thoughts and saying, how can I shift that for the better? Because those thoughts also can cause pain if they are not addressed because we're constantly having the same thoughts again and again. And these ancient yogis or researchers, they understood it. That's why they gave many tools to address each of these bodies or each of these koshas. And they said, oh, if your mind is stuck in a repetitive thought pattern, you can help it or support it by doing repetitive positive vibration, which is what mantra is. So when you chant a mantra, you're repeating a particular vibration for 108 times or 1,008 times, depending on how deeply embedded another thought pattern is so instead of telling you don't think about a pink elephant or even worse a pink elephant that's standing on a banana i'm saying just chant this because when you tell the mind don't do this that is what it has a tendency to go and uh, get obsessed with that so the rishis found a way and they said oh if we give it a positive vibration then it shifts this old pattern of thinking. It could be anything. Oh, I'm not good enough, or I'm dumb, or life is terrible. So it doesn't matter what old thought pattern is there, but this replacing of the thought pattern is given a lot of importance in the yogic process through mantra. So we have, again to repeat, we have the physical body, the emotional body, and the mind body. And each of them can be addressed and shifted for the better with certain specific tools. And then we have two other cosmic bodies. So these two or these three bodies are personal. The first three are personal. And then the next two are cosmic. So the fourth one is called the Vikyanamaya Kosha or the great wisdom field. I sometimes joke it's like the cosmic internet, the Akashic records. So 
30 years ago, if I told somebody, oh, you know, I'm just going to go onto this machine and type a word and it's going to download everything that possibly you can know about that word, people would have thought I was a bit crazy. So, but the same principle is applied, or I would say even understood by these ancient researchers who said, oh, you can go into this morphogenic field or you can go whatever modern names people want to give it vigyanamaya kosha and thereby tap into not just information but wisdom for how to apply things in that particular time and space so and i've used it many times and for me i find that's invaluable in terms of having access of course for that we need to establish a good connection and all these practices are there to establish connections with these cosmic bodies that we have. And the last one is the Anandamaya Kosha or the great bliss field. So when we're aligned with the bliss field, we feel happy or enjoy just because we are, not because we have a car or we have this or anything else. So that sort of alignment is what we seek in the yogic process. So it's very systematic, very technical, and at the same time, you're also using your lateral mind. So it's a dance of the polarities as we work in yoga to align all these five koshas or these five uh, bodies. Well, thank you so much. That was a very detailed uh, run-through of you know the five different layers that yoga practitioners or yoga teachers like yourself cover. And I'm so grateful for that. Can we just go back to the second one? emotional cobwebs and i love that that <laughs> analogy of a blowing off cobwebs um i certainly see them around the outside of my house <laughs> um so that brings a whole new meaning to me but anyway um so emotional body you know we get stuck in these emotions what is the simple exercise that our audience could maybe do right away like after listening to this that could maybe help them to optimize their energy um, Oh yeah, so there are lots of simple tools that can be done to release pent up emotions. And one important tool given in yoga is pranayama. So before I go into the practice, I'll just explain a little bit about what pranayama is. Now, mostly pranayama is translated as breathing exercise, but that's a very, I would say very surface level translation. Prana is life force and ayama is expansion. So what we're doing is we're using the breath, like the windmill uses the wind to generate electricity. We're using the breath to generate prana or life force and expand it in our system. So the first principle, of course, is learning to breathe properly. But the most important one is learning to tap into the subtle energy that lies in the breath. So that's the most important aspect of pranayama. Of course, the first one I can always teach over the um, you know, phone or audio or I don't have to meet the person. But the second one, it's always better to learn with the teacher. So the first step we're going to do in learning to breathe or release pent-up emotions through the breath is very, very simple. It's called the Sukha Bastrika. Sukha means comfortable. And Bastrika is like a bellows that's used to stoke the fire. So we breathe in through the nose. And then we breathe out through the mouth.
So I'm going to repeat this again. We breathe in through the nose and we breathe out through the mouth with the mouth kept in a mudra or in a shape called the kaki mudra. Kaki means crow. So like a crow's beak, we pout the lips. So we'll do this together. Breathe in. Take a nice deep, deep breath. Breathe out through the mouth. Breathe in. Expand. Expand your ribcage, your lungs. Breathe out. Third time. Breathe in. Expand your ribcage. Expand. And release. We're going to do this again, just looking at the nuances. But before that, just to understand how intimately breath is connected with our emotional states. I'm sure everyone has observed that when they're angry or upset, the breath rate is really fast. Or when you're watching a horror film, you even forget to breathe you're at, your, at the edge of your seat. The body is really tight and tense, and so is the breathing. You're holding on to your breath. So this principle was understood by these researchers thousands of years ago, and they said one way to calm the nervous system, to build a good sympathetic, parasympathetic balance is to use long, deep breaths. So you're working in reverse, and I'm sure now everybody understands psychosomatic illnesses, so here we're using the soma to impact the psyche. So the next time we breathe, we're going to try to lengthen it as much as possible, that is the in-breath, and deepen it as much as possible, going into all three segments of the lungs, the lower chest, mid-chest, and upper chest, and then release through the mouth. So we'll do this together again. Breathe in. Expand, expand, expand. Lengthening, deepening the breath, and now release through the mouth. Breathe in. Feel a nice lightness, calm, infiltrate you. And now release through the mouth. One last time. Nice deep, deep, deep breath. And release through the mouth. Continue to keep your eyes closed and just be present to how your regular breathing is. Simply tapping into your breath or tuning into your breath. Now the ancient sages were also mystics and poets. So they very beautifully said that as we listen to our own breath or our own breath, we start to tune into the song of the breath. And the song of the breath is so hum, or I am the origin. So as we keep listening to the song of the breath, it's no more an external song, but a song we realize. It's not an intellectualization, but a realization 
where it becomes real to us that we are the origin and we have the capacity to shift things for the better. We'll do one last breath. This time we're going to sigh out and the body's natural mechanism of sighing out and releasing whenever it is uptight is used in this breath. And all the breaths are actually beautifully aligned with our natural rhythms. Whenever we want to, we've had a tough day and we want to release or just say, thank God it's over. <sighs> we kind of have this sigh of relief. So this very same principle is used in this breath. We take a nice deep breath, expand, 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 and sigh out all that you don't want. <sighs> so don't feel afraid to make sounds. Sometimes in Western culture, we're chastised for making sounds. So take a nice deep breath. Beautiful. And one last time. Beautiful. And just be with how your body is feeling. So like this, there are tons of tools using the breath. There's like a hissing breath. There is a Brahmari breath, which means like a bee. So every breath has a particular impact on the system. But I'm just going to hand over to you. you know, then we'll go to the next yeah, segment. Okay. Well, thank you for that um, example and taking us through a breathing exercise, um, something that we can all incorporate through our day and uh, you know i love the, the fact you mentioned that you know the full breath for example your you abdominally breathe through the lower half of your lungs and the side of your lungs you can expand out of the out the way and then your upper chest you know up the way as it were so expanding the whole lung and therefore getting more energy and more um air into there and therefore yeah. the, the yeah. Ex exhale is, is more effective Absolutely. In fact, a lot of the yogic practices, they have exercises to work the diaphragm because most people don't have an awareness of the diaphragm. And also working the intercostals where they are learning to expand the front, sides, and back of the chest. So of course, that's, you know, you have to learn it with a teacher and maybe not the best to uh, talk over video or phone. Yeah. Okay, so let's go back to the mind, the third element of the of the um, personal aspect of yogi. And you mentioned about mantras or affirmations. It's something that was actually one of my favorite techniques for patients is <laughs> is the is the mantra every day and every way I am getting better and better. Um, it, it probably is not originated from Emil Kuei in France a hundred years ago. It's probably got a root thousands of years ago in India somewhere. Um, but the, I love it because it's, it's something that everybody can do right off the bat and start to put that positive mindset onto their health, onto their future. And yeah. um, it's, it's fun when I hear patients, when they come back to see me and I say, well, how are you? And they just say, well, I'm getting better and better. You know, <laughs> um, irrespective of what's going on, they're just getting better and better. So it's, it's amazing. Um, so my question to you is, how many times would, is a good starting point for real sort of physiological 
changes say in the, the body or the brain obviously the, t the, the 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 number of days is important as well but yeah. you mentioned 108 you know a thousand yeah. and eight that's a lot so you know yeah. what's a good starting point for us yeah so usually i tell students start with nine because nine is a complete number but 108 is the recommended number traditionally and if you look at these researchers they were great astronomers as well so the 108 comes from the fact that the diameter of the sun is exactly 108 times the distance between the earth and the sun. So if I were to call the sun towards me, I want it to become one with the sun, then, and each time I call it, if the sun rotated around itself to come towards me, it would have to do it exactly 108 times to come to me. So this is just fascinating because thousands of years ago they knew this and they said yes because we are in this kind of a plane 108 times will allow whatever energy you invoke to become you so you're not just invoking the energy you're also evoking that energy from within you so that is beautifully expressed in the 108 but like i said if People don't have that much time. Nine times is a good number. Then they can slowly up it to 108. Excellent. Um, you know, I, I advise people 20 times in the morning and 20 times at night. So <laughs> maybe yeah. I'll get a, a multiple of nine in there and we can start there. So that's, yeah. that's wonderful. Great, great uh, point there. Okay, so let's move on. And I'd like you to just share with us a case um, a patient that you've had here in Vancouver where they were struggling with, say, normal therapies, uh, maybe a challenging medical condition, and through your practice of yoga, was able to transform and, and help their lives? Yeah, so I've had many, many uh, patients, and one of them, I'm just going to talk about a lady who didn't conceive for over seven years, and I'm so I'm very typically Indian, I'll just go over to the grocers and be talking everywhere. I like the small stores, small community rather than the big, you know, kind of uh, impersonal setups. So I was talking to this lady who was working at the supermarket close to me, and she basically told me that she was not conceiving and the medical treatment is simpler in India or cheaper in India. So she was looking at ideas or she had an idea of going there. And I said, you know, instead of stressing so much, why don't you just come for the classes? She was also interested in my classes. So I said, just come for the classes and maybe the individual sessions and we'll see how that progresses. So she did start coming. Uh, she took a course with me and she also booked in for the sessions. And within the ninth sessions, she conceived. So she was as shocked or amazed both at the result as were her relatives and everybody was like what magic did you do and so for me it was just intuitive and just working and kind of working with her channels working with her nadis or the pranic channels her chakras and thereby creating a space first of all for her to be relaxed and for her to kind of hold that polarity for a new life to come into her system and like that, there are many stories. There's another, uh, I would say, example or case study of another young boy who was actually um, kind of kind, quite violent. And he was just being over-medicated. And I do understand sometimes that's how the system deals with things. 
but there are alternatives where you can again work on his energetic system and also through speaking with him making him understand have a vision for his life so i would talk to him and make him have a vision for his life and tell him that if this is the path he took which means a path of violence then this is where he would get whereas if he took another path then he could be a gentleman he was somehow very excited about being a gentleman so with kids certain words kind of take hold or you know they enamor them he's like yeah i want to grow up and be a gentleman you know and be a good human being so i was like okay great so how do we take that path and what do we need to do for that so yeah and he was also very very fascinated by the brain and creating new neural pathways and uh when i spoke to him about witnessing himself not identifying the pattern with himself he would say oh you know sometimes i do this and you know da 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 this is me i said no this is not you this is a pattern that you have in you so both through the energetic work and through the clarifying he's come to a point where he doesn't go off the handle like he used to before and his parents are so happy about it i mean he's still on medication and they're trying to work with the uh, you know psychiatrist to kind of reduce it but he's come a really really long and wonderful way in his progress okay so these are a couple of great stories great um cases of you know transformation in people's lives and what about research have you been involved with any sort of research um around this this subject of yoga um in this this area here in canada and the west coast yes that's a good question because that's been on the top of my mind and right now i've been speaking to some doctors and health professionals saying we need to document this so i've never been a person to sit and document all of this because i just you know there's so many students and i do teacher training so i'm just going from one thing to the other but now we are speaking to researchers even to one person at ubc research team so we're intending and hoping that we can compile all this body of information and have a systematized uh, uh way of looking at the results as well well, I look forward to you know hearing about that and uh, seeing the results. So I'll keep my eyes open. Yes, so uh, yes. good for you. I'm yes, I'm excited about that too. Okay, so you're over here in Vancouver. What what are the biggest challenges you find now in practicing this this area of um, um, healthcare, like yoga healthcare? Um, so I would say that. there haven't knock on wood there haven't been challenges because i'm the sort of a uh, person that works around things rather than headbutt <laughs> something so like if i see the teacher training right now my heart is in training more teachers and healers so they can go out and um vibrationally lift not only themselves but everybody around them so that is going really well with the right group i take only small numbers so i'm not part of the number game so that way i'm happy with the numbers i've got like i always felt this year the program is filled and it's you know really beautiful young group of people who want to make a difference to themselves and to the world in terms of healthcare i my focus is not as much the healthcare of course when people come to me i take them in but that's not how i advertise myself i'm training the teachers and the healers so that's where my energy is mostly invested in 
but for sure, in terms of um, uh, the people who reach out to me, the challenge can sometimes be that people are not quite clear that this is a science. So they may have a lot of doubts in terms of, um, oh, is it valid? Is it just some asana, some exercise I'm going to do? So once I explain to them the depth and the breadth of this science, then they know it's not just, you know, it's not just postures. So that could be the only challenge I find. Mm. Mm. And where can people find out about your classes? Uh, so they can go to arkaya.net, A-R-K-A-Y-A.net. They can email infoarkaya at gmail.com, I-N-F-O-A-R-K-A-Y-A uh, at gmail.com. And we'll send you all the information. If they're on Facebook, then they can go to Arkaya Vancouver uh, groups. So that's also another place which is quite interactive. So a lot of people in the community, the Archaia community, the students, they're chatting, posting, supporting each other. So it's, of course, the yoga also, but even on a life level, they're supporting each other in those groups. So it's more interactive. So that's a nice place also to go to, to find information. Okay. Um, is there anything else that you would like to share that I haven't quite touched upon today? Mm, I would say, yeah, most of it is uh, you kind of touched upon and one aspect is working with children I would say that's also really close to my heart because in India we work with children who live in the slums and we've seen tremendous shifts in them so here too we're just about starting programs for children camps for children which I've designed but I won't be teaching it some of the teachers I've trained would be teaching those programs and it's looking at healthy boundaries emotional just looking at the emotional health of a child, which many of us haven't been taught in school. We've been taught everything else but life skills. So this is specific to postural awareness, emotional awareness, and thought pattern awareness, which the kids will be learning, of course, through fun and play and clowning. And one of the Arkaya teachers has also learned clowning. So it'll be a lot of fun. But these principles and concepts and right lifestyle, right diet, all of that would be uh, taught to them in a fun way. And then working with the children, is that through the, the school system? Are you involved at that level? No, we're not. Actually, I have taught at a few schools, or my teachers have taught at a few schools, but this one is more like a camp. It's a four-day camp okay. that they come and attend. So it's from July 31st to August 3rd. So that's, that's something that's happening. Are you full up for that? Uh, no, that one we just started, we put it out on a whim because some of them were like, oh, we want, like some of our students, they have children and they wanted something. So we are not filled for that. The other courses are all filled. This one isn't. We just, we just kind of in the process of promoting it. Oh, well, it's exciting to, to be involved with the children and, you know, teaching them these life skills. It's, it's you know, having four children of my own. Um, these are definitely issues that needs to be worked on, um, especially in the home front. So that's that's a great great service to our our um, community here in Vancouver. Yeah. So I think we've covered most things today. Just a one last question to wrap up: What is the best advice that you've ever received? That I would say, my grandfather. I would still like to quote him. 
he says there are two ways, or he told me there are two ways I would like you to walk in the world. One is walk like you don't care who the world belongs to. And two is walk like the world belongs to you, which means the first one was because, you know, I'm a woman in India, I have that conditioning. He said, don't be intimidated by power or gender or any of that. And the second one is embrace everyone that like they are family. So I would say that's, that's a way or a good way to walk in the world and understanding that everything is connected to everything. That's basically what to me yoga means, which means right from what we think to what we drink, we're making conscious choices about everything in our life in an open-hearted and loving way. So that would be something I would tell everyone. Well, what beautiful advice. I think if we all took that to heart, this world would be a better place. So listen, thank you so much, Matri. Um, thanks for coming on the show. It's been interesting, fascinating, educational, and I'm sure our audience um, is getting lots of benefit from it. So again, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Lovely talking to you. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer.